from Kazakhstan. No, I replied. I wasn't aware of that. What sort of nuclear devices are you talking about? Warheads for long-range missiles? He gave a dismissive wave of his hand, indicating that this was not a discussion he wished to carry any further. I, for my part, came to the conclusion that his words had just been an idle boast to show me how well-informed he was about Iran and its inner workings. However, a few weeks later I went to Germany, and everything he had told me about the purchase of the airfield turned out to be amazingly accurate. I thought if all that information was true, maybe the bit about the three nukes was accurate as well. In December, while I was in Washington, D.C., it occurred to me that I should pass his declaration about the nuclear devices to someone in authority, just in case there might be some truth in it. I called a friend in the operations directorate of the CIA and told him the story. Ten days later, he dropped by my room at the Metropolitan Club in Washington. He thanked me for the information and told me that he had run the news by their Iranian desk. They were aware of a story involving three to six nuclear devices and apparently had done their best to check it out, including scrubbing the intercepts, studying the satellite imagery, working with MI6, the Mossad, the Germans, and even putting people on the ground in Iran. Unfortunately, the question as to whether the reports were true was simply not verifiable. Some months later, I was in Bonn, Germany, where I had an appointment with Bernd Schmidbauer, the intelligence advisor to former German Chancellor Helmut Kohl. Schmidbauer had conducted extensive dealings with the Mullahs men and, it was said, had a particularly fine understanding of their mindsets. At the end of our talk, I told him the story of the three nukes and asked for his judgment on it. He smiled. His people had participated in the efforts to pin it down, and he had read all the papers circulated on it. Officially, he told me, I have to agree with the judgment of your friend at the CIA. Unofficially, however, in my heart, I am convinced the story is true. Since Armageddon was going to be a novel, the story for me became true at that moment. However, I had to answer two questions to develop the idea for the book. First, just exactly what kind of devices were we talking about? And secondly, what possible use could the Iranians make of them? From my conversations with experts on nuclear proliferation, it quickly became apparent that it was most unlikely that the weapons in question could have been warheads for intercontinental or intermediate-range ballistic missiles. The Russians had kept a very tight inventory control on those warheads, and none were known to be missing. Furthermore, such weapons are protected by permissive links, which makes it quite impossible to detonate them without access to a top-secret coding key. The most likely devices, all agreed, were nuclear artillery shells. The Russians, in our disarmament negotiations, had only been able to estimate the number of these shells in their possession at somewhere between 10,000 and 13,000 stored in over 100 different locations. They acknowledged 100 or more such shells were missing from their inventories. These particular shells are meant to be used against massed armored formations and, as a result, are designed to produce a low kiloton yield. It was unlikely, therefore, that such weapons could pose any significant menace to Israel. Right? I went to Dr. Frank Barnaby, a distinguished British nuclear weapons designer who had recently retired from Her Majesty's service, and I asked him what the Iranians could possibly do with these nuclear artillery shells. The answer turned out to be alarming indeed and lies at the heart of the road to Armageddon. There is no doubt that the high quality of Iran's scientific establishment, provided with certain high-tech parts, could convert those devices into devastating weapons of mass destruction.
On a visit to Israel in May of this year, I had a conversation with former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak, and my original source and I put forward the question as to whether they had been able to determine if the report of the three nuclear devices allegedly bought by the Iranians in Kazakhstan was true or false. The answer from both men was startling. Yes, Israel now possesses intelligence that confirms the report is true. Is it possible that as you listen to this, somewhere in Iran, nuclear physicists are going through the process I describe in the following pages in order to convert their devices into viable weapons of mass destruction? Many have asked why I didn't write this as a work of non-fiction, as much of what you are about to read is true. I'm afraid that just is not possible. It would put innocent people at great risk, including myself and my family, and there are still some holes in my research that just aren't verifiable at this time. However, when this book was published in Europe, there were literally hundreds of articles questioning whether it was a work of fact or fiction. You will note by the style of writing that it appears...